The moment you walk in the door, you have to be locked in and you have to be all in. Every one of us is the CEO of our own life. And to be successful, we need to bring a unique and aggressive approach to everything we do each day. How are you gonna perfect your craft each day and make your program better? And they have to strive every day to improve and bring their, their best game every day of the week. Hello and welcome to another episode of Up Close in Personnel. Coming to you from Houston, Texas, as always, I am your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with Rice University. This is the show that seeks to educate, empower, and help everybody involved in the recruiting or player personnel process at all levels of football. That includes players, coaches, recruiters, scouts, and parents alike. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button, rate and review the show, and don't forget to share it with somebody you know that could benefit from what we talk about. Featured this week is none other than Auburn's DPP, Ryan Trichel, and his right-hand man and recruiting GA, Joe Moreno. In this episode, we run the gamut of all things related to recruiting, but we mainly focus on the process of building a player personnel department and developing each staff member that's involved. Auburn's really fortunate to have each of these two men at the forefront of their recruiting department, but I'd like to say I'm more fortunate to get them on the show. So without taking any further delay, I'd like to now shift to my conversation with Auburn's Ryan Trichel and Joe Moreno. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Ryan, welcome to the show. And just for everybody listening, I'm probably going to call him Tree for the rest of this episode. So Trishel's his last name. Everybody calls him Tree. Tree, how are you doing, man? Alex, what's going on, man? Uh, doing great. Just uh, embracing the grind, getting ready for another big game this week and uh, trying to get uh, get some recruiting locked in right now. No doubt. No doubt. How you been? Been good. Been good. It's it's so weird that we're 16 days away from signing day. And I was talking to somebody on our staff and they were like, this has got to be the easiest signing day of all time because we're not having to deal with the contact period. We're not having to deal with home visits, official visits, um, kids on campus and, you know, finalizing scholarship papers and finalizing slots and, and all the things that go into signing day from a digital standpoint. Um, how weird is it for you? You've been doing this a couple of years longer than I have. Um, how weird of a year is this? To be honest, this is the weirdest year. I mean, this is my year 10 and I've never experienced anything quite like this. Uh, we haven't had a recruit on campus since March. Um, we were basically shut down as y'all know for three to four months and then allowed back on campus. Uh, we're getting ready to go into signing day with probably half of our signing class has never been on campus. Uh, if they have, they've been on campus and never met the coaching staff face to face. Um, without a doubt, this is the strangest year I've ever been a part of. Uh, it's been interesting to see how we've basically been able to switch from on campus recruiting to all virtual, uh, which I think is going to be really good in the future. I think more FaceTime videos, more Zooms in the future is kind of how you're going to see everything transition in recruiting. Uh, but it's been very awkward that we haven't been able to have face-to-face -face communication on campus, give campus tours, have 100 recruits at a home game, uh, entertain their parents, entertain their families. Uh, I know we're already going ahead and planning for official visits in April and May right now. Um, and I'm, I'm praying that we're going to be able to host those during that time and get this get these recruits back on campus and start getting after the 22 23 and 24 class 24 man you're ahead of me but when it comes to like trying to plan out a, a official visit in april in may and this is all hypothetical and like you have to do this to plan ahead and, and be prepared for those moments but i guess what are the first couple of questions that you think of i mean for me i'm automatically okay I know this is going to have to be a smaller group. I'm not going to be able to have a big 
you know, 20 recruit official visit or 18 recruit official visit, but like, what's your thought process of actually like trying to put a plan into place that you can actually like execute? So I'll tell you the best part for us, for me and Joe and our whole department is we have Beth Burkett and Tasha Sanders, who are our two co-director of uh, on-campus recruiting. Uh, and they actually will manage every official visit. So Beth is already basically building out the preliminary schedule. Um, and she has a, does a phenomenal job of building their schedules for the entire weekend. She has a schedule for her staff of when they're gonna get everything done Monday through Wednesday. And once the recruits are coming on campus, we'll have a meeting on Thursday, uh, but we're not gonna miss a beat. Uh, we're probably gonna have, I'd say five to 15 kids in on OVs. Uh, they're already making COVID plans uh, if needed. And uh, basically the foundation is gonna be set for us to move forward and, uh, and get after these guys. The first time we met, it was AFCA, I don't remember if it was, I think it was 16. I think it was 16. Yeah. It, I think it was like my first one with U of H. I was with Marcus McGraw, but we're like getting wings and we're sitting down and we just kind of start talking about like, hey, what do you do? What do you do? And you were the director at the time at UL and I was an assistant. I was, I started asking you some questions and there's like three or four other people at the table and you start going into depth on why you mail out certain things on certain days and how you operate in reverse order. So you basically kind of re-engineer it from national signing day to the start of the kids recruitment. I want to know who's the person that you learned the most from. The person that I really took the most from uh, was definitely Reed Stringer. Uh, Reed was our recruiting coordinator, tight ends coach, assistant head coach at Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, now he's at uh, Southern Miss. Uh, Reed basically took me under his wing from day one. I mean, he taught me how to evaluate players. Uh, he taught me how to how to build recruiting boards, uh, how to be very organized pay very close attention to detail, uh, basically how to look for raw talent, looking for quarterbacks that are very athletic, looking for O-linemen that are 6'5", 250, very athletic. Um, basically, he taught me how to organize campus visits, how to organize official visits, um, the whole thing, all the way down to roster management, um, which is probably his bread and butter right there. So, but I was able to take basically everything that he taught me. And after about year two, uh, him and Coach Hud, they kind of set me free and let me run with it. Um, after year two, we basically laid the foundation to where we wanted to get kids on campus and we wanted them to be there um, for a home game their junior season. And our goal was we wanted to average about 100 to 115 recruits per home game. Uh, we wanted 75% of that to be juniors. Uh, we knew 25% were going to be seniors. But in order to reach that goal, we had to move our evaluation up. So basically my goal, like if this was, if we were in season right now and we could have recruits on campus, I would want to have the 22 board completed um, by my end by February of this, this year. So basically, we already knew who we wanted to get to camp. Uh, we knew who we wanted to get to home games. And then we would focus on getting those kids to home games, which I would take that as my personal responsibility. Um, I did not want to put it on the coaching staff. I wanted it to be my responsibility to get every kid within a four-hour radius to a home game. I don't care if they're a five-star, a four-star, a three-star. I'm going to get every one of them. We're going to go all in, and we're going to get them all there we're going to recruit until they sign on the dotted line. So you may ask, why do we recruit the five stars there? Why do we recruit the four stars? Well, the reason being, when they call and they're ready to transfer, first call is going to be to me. Otha Peters, great example, went to Arkansas. Otha Peters was a phenomenal linebacker, uh, had family in Lafayette. And when he was ready to transfer back closer to home, First call with us, done deal, signed, sealed, delivered, ready to roll. Do you keep the four hour radius now that you're at Auburn? Or does that extend uh, out? Cause now you're, you're at a bigger platform. 
Auburn, we're basically from Texas all the way up to North Carolina, and then we'll national recruit certain positions and certain players if they have Auburn ties. Uh, we're going to go after every five-star, every four-star, every top recruit. Uh, we're going to see if they have strong interests. Uh, we're going to recruit them all hard, and uh, we're going to work on trying to get them on campus when campus is open. Otherwise, we're working on trying to get them on virtual tours right now. Um, I know each coach right now is assigned to uh, to schedule at least two virtual tours a week. And uh, our goal is to have a virtual tour done with every 2022 prospect and their family uh, by the end of January. So you, you're able to, I mean, execute your whole plan regardless. How does, so when we move to actually having home games back, now are you gonna now just be able to use those virtual tours to like filter out you know, the guys that don't necessarily fit you, you know, figure out who's a, who's a character fit, who's the right type of guy for y'all, then get those kind of filtered group of juniors to your campus. Because now it kind of creates a, a, another added funnel to your process, right? Yeah, well, so basically our goal is, or my goal has always been, I want to get them on campus in spring. Uh, you have more time to spend with them, their family right there. Uh, if you need them to come to camp, uh, you push them to come to camp right there. Uh, and then you focus, like you said, on your target audience, on your target players, probably your top 10, top 15. You want to focus on getting them to a home game. Um, you're also going to be getting that next class to a home game as, as well. So you're probably looking at, we're probably going to have 21, 22, 23. We're going to have 75% of those kids are going to be 22s and 23s. And we average about 115 to 150 at each home game. So, but even, at, I mean, at Auburn, I think the max will go is around 500 total tickets. Uh, but even at Lafayette, we'd average, I think the last three years, we averaged 112 kids home game. So then we've, you know, we've talked about it a bunch, but just kind of touch on what allowed you guys to develop so many NFL guys. Because I'm not going to include that first year that you were there when they had a couple of guys already going to the league. But from 2015 to 2020, talking seven NFL draft picks. So you're having more than one guy a year getting drafted, not just signed. And that's unusual for, for a group of five school. And you took a ULL program, and now it's called Louisiana. And you had a big part to play in that. But what were some things that you learned when you went through that process of, you know, learning from the ground up, learning how that, that operates, you know, how to be a director of recruiting, to be a director of player personnel? And, and what you took away from that experience. Yeah, looking back on it, at the end of the day, it's about explosive players. Uh, we went out and we found the most explosive players at running back. Uh, we found the most explosive players at every position. Um, and we would we would take quarterbacks that were 6'1", 180, uh, that came to camp and ran a 4-4. We'd throw them on the other side of the ball, teach them how to play corner, and we end up Michael Jacquet was the fifth graded highest rookie the other day, and he was an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, we try to take guys that had good speed. We knew we weren't going to get the elite guys, um, but we were able to get Raymond Kale, who was like a 10-5. Uh, we were able to go out. We were able to get Elijah McGuire, um, who was an absolute animal in high school uh, and came in and played as a true freshman. And he kind of started our pipeline of running backs um, that were drafted. So Elijah McGuire was drafted first, uh, and then came Raymond Kale, who was a speedster. Um, and next year, you're going to have Elijah Mitchell uh, and and uh, Trey Regis, who are both going to get drafted in this upcoming class. Um, but running back is where we really made our bread and butter. Uh, offensive line, uh, back in 2015, uh, we signed five guys that were six, four, six, five, um, about 280, 300 plus, And we hit on all five of them. Uh, that was one of them was Robert Hunt, who just went uh, 34th in the draft to Miami. And the other one was Kevin Dotson. Uh, both of them, I mean, we fought to the end. Um, Kevin Dotson's dad actually played at uh, UL, um, which helped us right there. But it was, a, uh, it was a fight to keep both of them to the end. And they both ended up taking our team to the next level.
overall, um, we dug to find more players than everybody. Uh, we dug to find the most athletes that we could find in Mississippi, Louisiana, everywhere in the South. Um, we would bring them into camps and we would take the most explosive football players and take them and develop them. And yeah, we may miss on a couple, but at the end of the day, there's if you can have an explosive team all around, you can go win championships. If you could go back and give yourself advice when you first got your first opportunity to be a director at UL, you go back in time and, and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, it would definitely be um, to focus more on training and development of the entire staff. Uh, something that we're getting ready to implement uh, this in coming year is I've laid out a calendar um, for the entire year where we're going to do staff development uh, two main times out of the year, but we're also going to do it every Friday for 30 minutes. And uh, on each Friday, um, it's the topics are going to be based around what's going on that time of year in recruiting. Um, so, for instance, at the end of January, they're going to be learning about recruiting areas, um, going through and learning how to update the databases, uh, how to update the maps, um, basically everything associated with that and learning. Um, I think the first week in January, they're going to be learning how to cut film from scratch because we're going to have a lot of new employees. Um, and I basically want to be able to go through and train them year round um, on all the little things. Because um, a lot of times we take the little things for granted. Um, we think they know how to do it. Um, but a lot of times we can make ourselves better and our entire staff better and our program better just by fine tuning our, our skills and getting better in the little areas. Um, not only are we going to train on Fridays, um, but every fifth Friday they are going to have to teach it back to us. Um, so they're going to have to get stand there or zoom in um, and teach us the answers to the test. So, so basically something that I've been doing with my guys, um, to be honest, that they don't even know about. So until I kind of gave Joe a hint today, uh, but he really didn't, hasn't realized this and hadn't known it since January. But every day since January, I've been coming in and the first thing I do is I write down a specific question that I want to ask him and I write down a specific question that I want to ask Blake every day of the week. And they may get asked the same question once a month or once every two months. At the end of the day, I want them to have the answer to that question locked in. I want them to be elite. And I want them to know that when somebody walks in and they are talking about this or they're talking about roster management, or they're talking about the board, or they're talking about film edits, that they 100% know the answer to the test. Now, the best part is by asking them questions, I already know the answer to just about every preset question that I have given them. It's hard these days to train by giving people the answers to the test. We need to make them give us the answers to the test to make sure that they know it. Um, and that's how, like something we did this uh, July, which we're gonna continue doing, is we basically took other teams' rosters and we built them out, their 85. And we talked and we trained on roster management by building out other schools' rosters studying our own and comparing to theirs. And we were basically able to redefine um, some ideas on roster management and know what our competition was doing um, with their 85 and where they're going basically next year and this year. Um, but overall, I think it's best that if, especially speaking to all the directors out there that you need to take time to train. Um, you don't need to necessarily train by telling them do this, do that. You need to let them get their feet wet, um, but also 
make sure that they understand your process and that they're helping your program move forward every day. Um, another thing, talking to people that we train our player personnel staff, but we also, I try to train any GA and any analyst that wants to learn how to be an organized recruiter. Uh, I've built a plan from January through December, basically laying it out. This is what's gonna go on in January. This is what's gonna go on in February. This is what you need to be prepared for in every month, um, all the way throughout. And like Kendall Simmons, our O-line analyst, uh, played the NFL, one of the greatest offensive line minds that I've ever been around. Um, he takes pride in not just coaching, but learning about recruiting. So he'll come in and he'll learn three months out of the year. And then he'll come in and he'll learn the next three months. And then he'll come in and he's getting ready to learn the next three months. And by the end of this fall, he's going to know what to expect recruiting-wise January through December. And so when he gets a full-time job here in January, he's going to know from day one what to expect recruiting-wise. There's no way you can expect a, a GA to, to take a position coaching job unless he's ready to – unless he actually knows what to do on exactly. the road as a recruiter. I'm, I'm right there with you. And when we were talking over the summer about, you know, we – when we were talking about some projects we were both working on, the thing that you always emphasize is if a kid has size and speed, you'll at least get a serviceable player, regardless of, of what he pans out at his specific position. If he's got those critical traits, he has a chance. Can you break down like the importance of that when you're evaluating a player? Especially at this level at Auburn is, uh, is extremely important. Uh, right now, we are looking for the fastest wideouts in the country, uh, the most explosive, and we're looking for them to have good size. Uh, we just signed Malcolm Johnson, who's around a 10-2, uh, to go along with uh, Anthony Schwartz, who is a 10-2. Um, and Cody Burns, our wide receivers coach, has done a phenomenal job of taking his board and the guy and the players that we escalate to him and moving the elite players to the top and going out and getting them. Um, when you're looking at our D-line, a great example is what Rodney Gardner did with Derrick Brown. Uh, Derrick Brown um, was 6'5", 300 when he left here, and uh, he's an elite, one of the most elite D-tackles probably ever to play in the SEC. Um, starting at Carolina this year, but um, we try to go out and sign big athletic guys. Uh, our coaches are going to coach them up. Uh, we signed Tank Bigsby, who's probably the most explosive running, freshman running back in the country um, this past year. And uh, we try to go get explosive players again at every position and get the elite explosive players at every position and, um, and get them here to Auburn. No doubt. I guess what was the biggest adjustment when you went from UL to Auburn? Because that is a huge jump. It's a different world. I'll say the, the biggest adjustment is here you're focused on a smaller pool. I mean, at UL, we were going to focus on all the top guys and the next level guys. Um, here we're going to focus primarily on the top guys, the five and the four-star guys, and we're going to go after them and go get them. Um, you're not really going to focus on those six, five, two, forty pound uh, developmental tackles anymore. Are you more focused on the, th the 300 rounders, the 290s, and uh, going out and getting the elite guys right there? The, the biggest question that I would have is the difference in the recruitment process. Because, you know, when you're dealing with a kid who's more developmental, he's probably not going to have as many offers. You're dealing with four and five star guys. Those guys have, you know, traditionally 30, 40 offers, and they're going to be a lot more educated on you know, what it means, what the process is, what it looks like, what a visit looks like, what to expect, approach kind of that whole recruitment. Yeah, I mean, basically your approach here is you have to be more involved, I believe with the, the parents, um, you gotta be more involved with their champions, their coaches, um, you have to be in constant contact with these kids um, every day. Um, I know some of our guys will get on the video games and be playing, playing with them each night. Um, 
you really have to focus on FaceTime um, because the more interaction that you have face-to-face -face with them, I think is a game changer now, uh, especially with us being, everything being virtual. It's no longer phone calls. It's, it's uh, FaceTime videos. It's Zoom calls. Um, you need to have presentations. Uh, maybe it's a D-line presentation. Uh, maybe it's walking them through film of their position. Um, you have to be able to sell them on everything that they're looking for um, that your university offers. So uh, maybe if they're an engineering student, um, you're definitely going to get them over to the engineering school, but you may take them around to everything within that school. Um, and that's where the on-campus recruiting girls um, at Auburn do a phenomenal job. I mean, they will be on FaceTime videos all day, giving tours around campus, giving dorm tours, um, taking them in the basketball arena, taking them to the football stadium. And then they're going to come back and they're going to end with the coaching staff. Um, they'll do FaceTime with Coach Malzahn. He'll do his presentations. Um, and then they'll go in and they'll talk to the whole defensive staff or the whole offensive staff. And uh, the coaching staff and the on campus is really doing a phenomenal job of interacting with not just the player, but the parents um, and the champion of that player. That's so cool. It, it is just as far as incorporating all the things that, I mean, you would have normally had in, in a regular visit and everybody kind of throws around virtual visit and some people do it big, some people don't. Um, the thing that I that we've talked about and that I was really excited to get you on to to discuss is kind of your your approach on developing your staff. And you went from initially starting out on probably a smaller staff, and you know you wore all the hats. I, I know when you were doing graphics, you were doing the recruiting, you were scheduling the flights, uh, evaluating the players, meet with your head coach, and at Auburn, it's a big. Big jump. I mean, you've got a, a bigger staff, but I don't think everybody realizes that before you left, when Coach Napier came in and you transitioned and stayed on board, y'all guys started to really pick up that recruiting department and you you got a chance to really kind of hone in and refine your process as being kind of the overseer and, and manager of all those different people. So before we talk about kind of how you organize your staff and and all the different personnel that are involved. What are some core values that that go into your process? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Um, we actually have five base core values for our player personnel office. Um, our number one and our most important is honesty. Um, our second core value is I want the guys to project positive energy every day. Yeah, we're going to have some huge discussion. But when we walk out of that discussion, we're all projecting positive energy, which is moving our office and moving our, uh, our team forward. Um, our third core value for our office is perfect your craft. How can you get better every day? How can you get better at cutting film? How can you get better at evaluating? How can you get better at helping a coach organize his recruiting? Um, perfect your craft every day. Uh, our fourth core value is be unique and aggressive. Everybody has a uniqueness to them, but you have to take that uniqueness and you have to bring an aggressive approach to everything you do every day. Um, our fifth and our final core value, which I think is most important for our office, is value and vision. What value does that player bring to our program and how does he fit in the vision of the position coach and the coordinator of how he's going to be used day in and day out? But those are our five base core values. Uh, we live by them and, uh, and we try to preach them every day in our player personnel office. I think that first one's so key. Like for, for us, that's, it's six for us, but honesty is the first one. It has to be because it's absolutely unacceptable to, to lie to a recruit, family, coach. And I think of it in terms of, I don't want yes men in my department. Like, I want you to be honest with 
what's going on or how you feel about a player. Don't just agree with me to agree with me. Yeah, and that's what – that's like I told every coach I've worked for. So Coach Hud, Coach Napier, Coach Malzahn, um, from day one, I'm always going to tell you the truth about what I think about that player. Um, if he's good, I'm going to tell you he's good. If he's not good, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to tell you up front he's not good. And that is how I'm going to live from an honest standpoint of preaching to you and pulling the top players to the top of our board every day. If there's one word that describes your philosophy on recruiting, what is that one word? Uh, it's not really one word, but it's kind of a motto. You got to find them and sign them. So I live by that. Um, we, we pride ourselves in finding the best players. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go through and we're going to search everywhere for elite talent. And uh, once we find them, we got to get it to the finish line and we got to sign them. How, it's, it's a tough deal when in your shoes, and I'm kind of in the same boat over here, you have to really do it all in some cases, right? You have to be able to be the recruiter and the evaluator and the organizer. And taking that step from touching every aspect of it to, okay, now I'm going to entrust that to X, Y, Z personnel, and I'm going to develop them to do it the way I want to and show my trust in them after we go through this process of training them. How did you get to that point where you were able to kind of let your guys go um, and develop them? I'll tell you, we've played around with a lot of things. I think right now is we finally have our entire foundation set for how our entire day is going to be structured. And once we were able to basically set up our entire day to be structured, we were able to take um, our current staff and incoming employees and train them at a faster and a, a easier pace. Um, so basically when we, we start the day, everybody's going to start with their assigned areas and their assigned data for that day. Um, so everybody knows what they're doing from the moment they walk in the office. Um, and once they're done with their data, uh, we usually face time uh, probably about an hour to an hour and 15 into the day right there. And uh, we'll go through any additional information right there. And then everybody will move into their film cutups for that day. Um, basically your film cutoffs will take you into lunch. And once we come back from lunch, any players that the staff found in their areas that were new that day, uh, we'll go through and we'll watch them as a player personnel staff. And then that afternoon we'll break off into our, uh, our random assignments for the day and, uh, any studies that we may be doing, um, any updating of boards, um, any more film edits that we need to make. And we'll basically, we have the whole day structured so it's easy for everybody to flow. Um, when we got there, or when I got there back on March 18th last year, uh, we basically, we came in and we reset the foundation for everything first. So we basically, we came in, we cleaned the database, we cleaned the boards, uh, we cleaned up the entire system so that we could hit the ground running about a week later with our evals. And so we were able to go through from March 18th until June 30th. We were able to e finish eval on the entire 21, 22, and half the 23 class. And then we came back that fall and we finished evaling the entire 21, 22, and the entire 23 class again. So that way, when our coaches walked into this past February, they were ready to eval basically the 22s and the 23s because they were already done with the 21 class. Um, the thing that I think flipped the switch for us, being able to organize all of that data right there, um, especially once the coaches had evaluated them, was we basically took the entire country and we developed it into boards. So we took the state of Alabama, and you can look at it on one 11 by 17 sheet of paper, 21, 22, 23, and they're in order of how they are on the boards. So basically I can 
take out and it's a picture of the entire state for three years, four years. Uh, we did the same for like Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, Tennessee. And then for the rest of the country, we broke it up by national boards. So you have your West Coast board, your Central board, uh, your East Coast board, or I'm sorry, your Northeast board. And, um, and we were able to simplify recruiting for a three to four year period by building out in the state boards. Um, and I think that helped us as an entire organization uh, realize these are the guys on the boards um, for all these years. And we just keep updating and updating it as we go. And uh, I, I think we've taken recruiting and made it as simple as possible. And everything is laid out and ready for the coaches to roll once they walk into January. Yeah, and then, you know, they're in one school, you know, they're going to they're gonna know about all the guys in the area and, and your staff has done the, the legwork as far as identifying guys way ahead of time. So they're able to ask better questions too. Yeah. And so basically what I'm doing right now is I'm about to go through and I'm about to give a full grade for every 22 and 23. Um, it's something we did back in August. So basically we'll wait until the coaches are in fall camp and our staff will give a grade of the 21 and 22 boards. Now we're getting ready to go through and we're getting ready to give a grade, another grade of the 22 and 23 boards. So basically not only are they gonna have their updated evals that they've done um, and be prepared in January, they're gonna have the updated evals that we've done off of um, junior and uh, sophomore film. So basically they're gonna see what we've seen on game film, they're gonna see what we've seen on highlight and then they're going to be able to go in and start doing their evals in January, their re-evals. So I know that you're, you do a really good job of being thorough with, okay, hey, for quarterbacks, we're going to cut up X, Y, and Z. For O-line, we're going to cut up these plays. The way we organize it is scrimmage tape, early season, mid-season, late season, and playoffs. So you can kind of see a progression. And so my whole goal is to be able to click the beginning of a kid's sophomore year, click the, the middle of it, the end, see his progression. Then I can do the same thing with junior film and do the same thing with senior film by the end of the day. How do you guys organize it? Cause it's a, it's a ton of clips. I mean, I, I'm done with my quarterback and he's at like, I don't know if it's like 400 clipped plays, but it's crazy because I'm, I'm going to clip every throw. I want to see every throw this guy makes and I want to see him on the move. But how do you organize it? Because it is a lot of plays. It's a lot of data. Well, basically, we were organizing it by game last year. And then towards the end of the year, we were asked to put it more back in a uh, top highlight format. Um, so really, our edits during the season are in best play format. Um, now throughout the year, we're going to go in and if there's any film from spring, like spring practice, we're going to put that in. Everything's going to be in order of how it took place. So if they had spring practice film, if they had combine film, uh, if they came to our camp, you're going to have camp film and then it's going to be most up, up to date film. So right now it'd be the film from this season, which would be in highlight film order. What's your favorite part about recruiting? favorite part about recruiting um man i i strive to be the most organized recruiter when it comes to the boards and when it comes to travel um i know a lot of people don't like travel during december and january right? but i freaking love it um i love managing uh plane flights i love managing uh head coaches travel i love organizing it for all 10 assistants and, uh, and trying to keep up with them and uh, trying to get these guys to the top players uh, on our private planes and, and get them rolling. And uh, we deal with a couple of snow flights here and there and deal with a couple of, uh, may have some cars that we have to drive to get in place and ha or have in place for the coaches because they, uh, they get, a location where we got to go pick them up in South Georgia or something like that. But I absolutely love travel and uh, the months of December, January. We lost out on a kid. His name was Laurel Murchison. I can say it now because he's in the NFL. 
uh, went to Liberty, gets picked up in the league. He's playing. And he was a JUCO kid that we were on early. And we knew he had a ton of traffic. And we're like, we got to do something different. And we're like, you know what? Screw it. Like, we're going to fly to his school 11 o'clock at night. And we're going to be there at midnight. And we're going to tell the kid to show up at like 12.01. Kid shows up there. We're the first team to see him. Um, didn't really work out. We still lost the kid. But what I'm getting at is any any wacky, crazy uh, flight stories or contact period stories that that just come to mind? Oh, there's there's definitely one that stands out above most. So uh, back in I guess it was in 2013 or 14, uh, we had just finished up official visits, and I was in charge of basically all the official visits. Um, as soon as the last recruit was gone, I got in a car. I drove four hours to Burtville, Texas, and I picked the head coach up. Uh, once his private plane landed and drove him to, uh, to Robert Hunt's house because I was actually cleared to go on the road recruiting at that time. Uh, and that was quite the experience right there. We ended up on the back roads. Uh, we were going, we got a little lost going to Robert's house, but uh, we had a blast uh, going out there and recruiting him and visiting with him and Mr. Ricky and his family. And uh, we ended up sealing the deal that day and uh, ended up signing a uh, top second round draft pick. There's nothing like getting out on the road. I, I got a chance to go back out last year and that was my second time out, but it's kind of like we're, we're like caged, you know, caged animals. And then they finally let us out. And it's like, you don't know what to do with your hands. Um, so this episode's a little different. Obviously we had a chance to talk with, with tree throughout this episode and, and uh, I think what always stands out when we talk, dude, is like you're, you are super organized in how you do things. And that's what I respect most about you and, and what you're doing at Auburn. But we actually have his recruiting graduate assistant, Joe Moreno, who he was on my short list. It's just so everybody knows here. So uh, I'm going to unmute him. He's been hanging out. Joe, how are we doing? Good, good. How you doing, Alex? Thanks I'm for good. having me, man. No, no. Thanks for thanks for hanging out. Um, what's it like working for Tree? And uh, I mean, you can you can fire away. He, he, oh he's man! Not shy. Oh man, Tree. Uh, no, the the first thing I, I was laughing because you know you guys talk about and Tree really is super organized. He loves to and is great at managing chaos. That is that is Tree's probably one of his number one things is. He never points fingers. He always tells us and exemplifies himself. He's always a problem, problem solver. So that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from Tree uh, so far. But uh, his days from ULL, he still brings the, the mentality to dig for players. And, you know, being at Stanford before, uh, having some buddies, you know, working in college football, one of the, Tree is probably the best I've seen or heard about at finding talent and finding players. You know, the past 18 months, we probably watched well over 12,000 guys. And uh, the way he goes about it, the strategies he uses to maximize, uh, you know, our efficiency and digging for guys, really finding that, that athletic, explosive player that he's talking about, long rangey guys that shorten the field, really, at the end of the day. Uh, tree, tree's the best I've ever seen at that. So. Uh, really grateful to work for him. It's been a blessing. And, and man, Alex, if, if you didn't hook me up with Tree, man, I don't know where I'd be right now. So, so thank you for that. Nah, you would have been fine. Uh, and just to brag on kind of your background, I, everyone, everyone that's a director or in any type of position in recruiting gets, you get a million emails. People are saying, Hey, I, I'll work for free. I, I'll do anything to get in your program. And believe it or not, I do read all of those. And you email me and this is when I was still at Houston. And I mean, I see going from Harvard all the way across the freaking country to Stanford to volunteer. You go from a paid position at Harvard all the way to just volunteer just so you can get into the power five. And you're asking, Hey, is there anything that I can do to get experience at your place? Because you were just hungry. Like you were just getting after it. Like walk me through, kind of where you were at 
at each of those spots, Harvard, Stanford, and now Auburn, because it's such a unique story. Like you've literally gone across the country to make this work. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride, uh, to be honest with you. And I'm really grateful for my parents. They're big uh, Italian family in New Jersey, big football fans. So um, they kind of saw my dream, saw my vision, and wanted to support me uh, as much as they could. And I guess it kind of started in college. I got hurt, and my head coach asked me to be uh, a coach at my alma mater. So I did that for a season. And one of my old teammates, he uh, was a QC at Harvard, and he kind of hooked me up with uh, the DFO there and said, hey, come, you know, come talk to this guy. Uh, I think you'd be great here. And worked in uh, recruiting and operations with them for a little while. And six months in, I, you know, I, I, was, I was ready to, to experience and try to see what else was out there. I loved Harvard, uh, but I just wanted to really hone in and try to get to the FBS level, um, find a way, you know. And I sent out over, you know, the classic over 100 emails, which one, you know, and I got seven back. I'll never forget. And uh, one of them being Stanford, which uh, was very ironic because it was the team I rooted for growing up. I was a big Toby Gerhardt fan. And uh, they said, we're actually closing down interviews tomorrow, uh, but we'd love for you to interview tonight. And I was like, absolutely. So I interviewed and, and got that. And I told my dad, I said, hey, man. Uh, I think I got to move out to California <laughs> and he was like, let's do it. He's like, all, he was all in. And that's, like I said, my parents have always supported me. Couldn't be more grateful for that. And I got out there and man, Stanford's a, a beautiful place, beautiful program. And I was really working in recruiting there. And I'd say 75% of what we were doing was academic evals as, as well as uh, on-campus recruiting stuff. Uh, because really at Stanford, you, you can't even watch, a player athletically before you grade their transcript uh, academically. And usually that, that doesn't start until after their sophomore year. So that was a really cool experience just to, you know, go from an academic place at Harvard and the FCS to, you know, lead academic school with great football uh, in the Pac-12, uh, one of those, you know, perennial powerhouses and learn from Coach Shaw and, and the recruiting staff there. And uh, after about a year or after about six months, they started giving me evaluation uh, responsibilities, which, which I loved and kind of fell in love with. And, uh, you know, May came around and it was about a year. And I, and, uh, I talked to you in the fall is when you got that first email in October. And we, we jumped on the phone and we started building a relationship. And he said, man, you're a crazy guy for, for moving out there and, and just <laughs> for free in one of the most expensive places and, you know, volunteering your time. But, you know, I, I don't want anybody to ever question my drive you know, my integrity. So that's something I took advantage of. And, and you told me, I remember you told me uh, in the spring, you said, hey man, I, I think I might, guess, I might have something for you. Just hold on, you know, it's, it's coming. And I was kind of down on myself at that time because I wasn't really getting anything. And uh, it all kind of hit at once. A couple of schools um, kind of reached out to me in all, all in like a week period. And uh, I was actually flying home from spring break uh, and I land on the tarmac in California and you know how your phone blows up with, you know, texts and Twitter alerts when you land. And I got some, some DM from Ryan Trishell. I said, man, who, who is this guy? And I open it up right away. And he says, Hey, I'm the DPP at Auburn. Call me. I, I never, never uh, got home faster from an airport than that day. Um, called up tree, man, we, we hit it off, you know, right away. And, uh, you know, move, move to Alabama to take this uh, GA spot and player personnel. And uh, it's been, it's been history since, man. How different is it going from the Bay to uh, right down the road from Gulf Shores? I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a different world, huh? Oh, absolutely, man. It's, it's, you know, you got all the tech, the tech people out in the Bay, you know, who works for Apple, who works for Google, you know, who's going to be the next, uh, <laughs> the next billionaire and then you go to Alabama where you know it's I never seen more farmland in my life being from Jersey going to Cali and Boston uh, it was a different completely different experience to me but you know people were extremely nice and way nicer than I'm used to um, you know Auburn welcomed me with open arms and uh, it, it, it's been a, a definitely a culture shock but a good one so since you're a Jersey guy my tight end coach, Chris Monfletto, 
It's also from that way. I asked him, what are the best pizza places in the world? Because I was, I was asking him for some input the other week. And he listed out 10 pizza spots, but the first four are all in Jersey. So I'm going to rattle judge. off. Okay, so the order he has is De Lorenzo's, Conti's, Star Tavern, and Reservoir Tavern. So uh, that's the order. What's, wow. what's, your, what's your order? Honestly, I respect them because Reservoir is about 10 minutes from my house. And Star Tavern is probably my number one. So he, we're, we're, we're pretty close. We're right up there. Star Tavern, for sure, got to be, gotta be in your top if you're talking pizza. Uh, definitely, definitely in New Jersey, for sure, too. Tree, what do you know about Jersey? Too cold for Tree. I know they got like a bunch of good football players, and I know it's cold up there. <laughs> Before I let you go, Tree, again, uh, this is awesome. But what is one piece of advice that you would give a young aspiring recruiter out there listening to the show? Well, I'll tell you, Alex, that I think each day they have to, they have to attack each day. The moment you walk in the door, you have to be locked in and you have to be all in. Um, every one of us is the CEO of our own life and to be successful, we need to bring a unique and aggressive approach to everything we do each day. How are you going to perfect your craft each day and make your program better? And they have to strive every day to improve um, and bring their, their best game every day of the week. Again, like really, really appreciate both of y'all taking time out of y'all's day. Where can our listeners find both of y'all? Joe, you first. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter and social media? Yeah, um, my Twitter name is Joe underscore Marino sixteen. Pretty be- pretty basic M O R E N O. So that's where you could find me. What is 16, 16 number in high school or what? That was the high school number right there. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Ugly number, but you gotta stick with it. Yeah, I, I played receiver and I had to wear twenty five because it was the only <laughs> number left. And this was Reggie Bush days, but clearly I'm not ah, Reggie. Respect. Yeah. Tree, what about you? My Twitter handle is at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Trichel, T-R-I-C-H-E-L. Awesome. Again, appreciate y'all and look forward to staying in touch. Best of luck on signing day in a couple weeks. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Alex.